It's nice to see you, by the way. You're feeling better, John? Good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. In your bulletins, it's the last Sunday we'll be passing these out. It's, it's an anonymous spiritual health checkup. And uh, it helps us kind of have an idea what, what will help us kind of take uh, the pulse of the church. How, how are we doing? How are we thinking? How healthy we are? I think we've gotten somewhere over 100 of these. Uh, so if you haven't yet filled one out, it would be really helpful. Every individual, not just, uh, not just simply uh, as couples, but if you would, it would help. And it is anonymous. And the good news is, is that on the back, there's a place that you can write your thoughts. And we've had uh, numerous very, very helpful and meaningful uh, opinions, thoughts, uh, uh, it's very, very helpful. It's, it's great to be able to hear from you. So, so do uh, fill that out. And if you have a couple of thoughts, write it right on there. Uh, it's really important to us. Don't forget to do that. Then you can just fold it in half and uh, you can either turn it in if there's not an usher to, to <clears throat> take it from you as you're leaving. You can either put it in the offering. Well, the offering bag already went by, didn't it? You can take it to Margie over at the... Uh, uh, resource center or if there's an usher standing by hand it to one of those and uh, nobody will know it was you and so you can you can say whatever you want to say which is very helpful actually and this will help us so this is the last Sunday you'll be a great help and in fact we'll be printing in our annual report uh, the results from that so uh, you'll want to be sure and be a part of that I know uh, also uh, you won't want to miss Lee speaking tonight. Lee, Lee, stand right up and just give a big wave. Will you do that? There he is, right there. And uh, I love this guy. As you can see, there's a lot to love. But uh, he is a marvelous man. And I'll tell you why I love him. Because he takes the Word of God seriously. The Word of God, Christianity, is not, is not just something to do for him. It is his life. There is no question in my mind about it. He takes the word of God very seriously. And those of you that come and uh, hear him speak tonight, I know you'll be blessed uh, as Lee shares with us. Thank you, Lee, for doing that tonight. Uh, Hoo Hut, is, I heard, is a good place to eat as well. You might remember that since I just took care of you this morning. No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. Living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. Peter writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which means that when Peter writes, it's his hand that is penning, but it is the Holy Spirit that is directing and guiding so that every word that is written is not his own. It literally is the word of God. So though we say, and Peter wrote this, or Peter said this, the, the reality of it is God said this, God said that, and he did so through the pen of Peter. And so it's interesting a little bit when you think about this, that God said, you are living stones, living stones. Now, why did God choose to use that terminology that he would call you living stones? What is it that God is building that requires a, 
requires living stones. Now, if he was erecting a, a, uh, a concrete structure, facility, or if he was uh, putting together a large and beautiful basilica, which is a, a, an ornate church, large ornate church, if, if God was thinking that he was just simply building an, an ornate basilica, he would not have used living stones. He'd use natural stones. He'd be talking about, he'd be talking about uh, using limestone, granite, marble, because you, would use, you wouldn't use living stones. You would use natural stones. But God chose not to talk about natural stones. He talk, he's talking about you and I being built as living stones. And, and what is it that God is doing? He's building a spiritual temple. So he intends to use you to build a habitation for himself that he will dwell in, that his presence can be found within. And he calls you his, his temple, his holy temple. And so you are living stones being built into a, a place in which the presence of God can inhabit. Now, Peter, is, he is being used of the Holy Spirit, and he's writing this out in 1 Peter. And he's, he's writing these words as the Holy Spirit is inspiring him. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. As he's writing that, most likely he, he can very easily and quickly hearken back to years earlier when Jesus was still alive before his crucifixion, and before his resurrection, before his ascension to heaven. While Jesus was walking the planet here and he was with his 12 disciples and many other disciples as well, and they were following him around, Jesus took the 12 and they went to a little town called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is about 26 miles north of the Sea of Galilee uh, at the foot of Mount Hermon. And as they are there in this town, uh, Jesus is aware of something, and so he, he begins to ask questions. And one of the things that he's certainly aware of is this, that there has been an ongoing debate about his identity. Who is he? Who is, it? Who is this guy? Is he a teacher? Is he a rabbi? Is he, is, is, is he a prophet? Uh, is he, the, is he the Christ, the Messiah? Is he the Son of God? Who is he? And this debate is ongoing among the religious leaders and also among all the common people. People are very curious because there's some pretty spectacular things that have been occurring. So who is this guy? And uh, so, so Jesus wants to find out what, what his fellows are hearing. What's the word on the street? What are people saying? What are, what are you guys hearing people say about my identity? And so they respond back and they said, well, Jesus, some actually think that you are John the Baptist come back to life. Now the disciples know that it's not John the Baptist, that he's, he's not that, because they know full well. John the Baptist and Jesus, they could see him both at the same time. John the Baptist actually baptized Jesus. So they, they know that's a ridiculous thought. But there are people that weren't there, didn't see it, don't know. They only heard that John the Baptist got beheaded, and uh, they don't have the internet, so they can't Google the whole situation. So they're just, they, some people 
misinformed, thought that maybe Jesus actually might be John the Baptist reincarnated. And some people thought that he might be one of the prophets, uh, maybe like Elijah or one of the other prophets. They're just not sure people have a lot of ideas. So Jesus then, he poses another question to them. He said, he says, okay, but who do you guys think I am? What's your take on all this? What, what opinion have you come to? Who do you believe that I am? And as soon as he asked them that question, Peter, who later on writes, you are, buildings, you are, you are living stones being built into a spiritual temple, uh, Peter, as he's, he hears the question, he, uh, he ends up responding immediately. No hesitation. And he said this, Matthew 16, 16. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No hesitation. Now, when Jesus hears Peter say this, Peter, Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. Now Jesus responds to that, and here's what Jesus said. Matthew 16, verse 17 through 19. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, excuse me, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You know, the amazing thing here is that Jesus, what's, what's he doing? He is predicting you. He's predicting you. He's predicting me. He is prophesying our, our, our growth, prophesying what God's going to do in us. What Jesus said is, he says, wow, okay, listen, Simon, son of John, from here on, I'm going to start calling you Rock. I'm going to call you Petra. I'm going to call you Peter. And the reason I'm going to do that, essentially, you know, if you, we fill in all the blanks, is, is that he is going to take people just like Peter who believe in who Jesus really is, He's going to make them into living stones who will become his church. And his church will prevail against the powers of hell. Hell will not be able to withstand the power of his church in which God is inhabiting as a holy temple. So he says, he says, Peter, Peter, I'm going to, I'm going to start calling you that. You're a rock and you're not the only one. There will be many like you, living stones that I'm going to build into a church. That's essentially, as you're moving through the scriptures, you hear that's what Jesus is doing. So Peter, he's writing and he's saying, he says, guess what? I want you to know something. Yeah, he called me Peter, but you guys also, you are living stones that God is building into a holy temple. And the good news about that is, is that the people that God uses to build into a holy temple, a habitation of God's presence, hell has no power against you. Has no power against you. God says that you would prevail. Jesus said you would prevail. You see, on, on this planet, hell has no boundaries. Hell has no, it's, the power of hell has no boundaries on this planet except except where the church knowing they are empowered by the presence and spirit of God rise up and be the church that God called them to be 
And wherever the church understands by faith what Jesus was building us into, that church can resist all the power of the enemy, can resist all the power of Satan. So hell has no boundaries except where you, except where you resist the power of the wicked one. Because you're living stones that God is building into a holy habitation that will be filled with his presence and his power. And hell will never be able to prevail against you, the church, the living stones of God. So, the, so here's, the, here's the cool thing. The, the people who, who God calls living stones, uh, hell's going to always have trouble with you. Always going to have trouble with you. And, and isn't going to be very successful. And what the Bible says is that not only does Jesus say that, but, but ultimately there's a cornerstone that we have to be aligned to. But see, you're not just some, some building like this that is made out of, out of wood and, 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 and steel and, and uh, sheetrock and cement. You know, you're not, you're not that. God is not building something that is, that is located in one particular geographical address. God is doing something much different than that. If God was just, if this was just the church that God was thinking of, these walls, he wouldn't use living stones. He's building something much different than that. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23. He says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place. Now, when he says that, he's not saying if all the nuts and the bolts and, and, and if, if all of the wood and all of the sheetrock and all the cement and all the carpet comes together in one place, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about people. If people gather together at a building that they have, they have assigned to and they have, they have prayed over and they have uh, determined that this will be their gathering point. But when the church, which, are, which is made up of living stones, gathers together, they come to one place. So even Paul, he recognizes, like Peter is telling us, that God's not just building buildings, he's building people. And so he's building not buildings that have uh, any power in them or any effect against all of the, the uh, work of the enemy. He's building people who are empowered to thwart all of the devil's intentions in this planet. And, and what the Bible tells us, Peter says, is, is that among those living stones, there's one that's called the cornerstone. Here's what, here's what we read. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Whoever gets himself aligned with the, the cornerstone. What's the cornerstone? Well, the cornerstone is generally the biggest, the, the heaviest, the, the truest cut stone that is placed and then the whole building is built off of that the entire building is determined in terms of how it is going to fit together based upon that cornerstone so everything has to align to it now the bible says that jesus is the cornerstone 
So what that means is, is that you and I have to be sure that our lives are, are lined up with Him. And if our lives are lined up with Him, He's going to build us into something powerful that will thwart the activity of the wicked one. But you've got to be lined up with Jesus. It's, it's the reason why it is absolutely the case that all paths do not lead to God. You can't just kind of throw a bunch of rocks together and expect that you can move in. What you'll end up with is a pile of rocks. You know, uh, it might work for a lizard, but it won't work for you. You know, it isn't going to happen. You've got to get everything lined up properly so it, it's built strong and stable so you can move in. You need a cornerstone, one cornerstone. And the Bible says that the name of that cornerstone is Jesus. Your whole life has to line up with him. And if your life isn't lined up with him, you just get just a little bit off from him. You put, you put that uh, uh, measurements on it and you kind of try and figure it all out. If you're just a little bit off, then it's always going to goof you up somehow. You've got to be in alignment with him and with his word. And when you are, then he builds and he builds something powerful that hell cannot ever thwart, cannot prevail against. And so there's three things. I wanted to share with you that are important for us to know and remember about being the church, about being living stones that God has, that God has ordained, that God is raising up, that hell has trouble with. And here it is, observation number one. You are mobile, not stationary. You're mobile. This, this is a moving building that God is building. So it's, it's, when he says, I'm, I'm going to use living stones, and he calls Peter a rock, he's talking not about us camping out on one address and saying, we're just going to lock ourselves in here till Jesus comes. Every, get everybody in here like the ark, and let's close the doors, let's lock it, and let's wait till Jesus comes. Did we bring enough food? I don't know, but we, we probably make, make sure, because once the doors are closed, no one, you know, we've got to stay inside and protect ourselves. No, no, no. He didn't call us to just sit in one location. We are mobile. We are living stones. And so he calls us to be active. Here's what we read. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. Jesus said this. In these words you'll know well. And he said to them, go into all the world. See, go. Don't stay, don't remain, don't hang out. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I really thought about it. I should probably, have you ever practiced on your dog or your cat? You know, I don't know, just a thought. It says every creature, but you can practice there and then you're ready when you talk to a, to a live human being. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly anything deadly by no means hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover see when you get in you get yourself lined up with a cornerstone what he's saying is you become a part of a mobile temple that is filled with the presence of God. And he wants us to go. And when you go, you have received power from him to bring life to wherever you go. So when you leave this building today, you didn't leave the church. The church left the building. 
When I come in here and I find times that, I, that it can be quiet and I'm alone and nobody's around and I walk into this building and I walk up and down in front here and I walk along the platform and I walk up in these down these aisles, I'm praying. Uh, this is just a building. The church is out there. And he wants us to be out there sensitive to what it is he's doing. Because when you're out there, how many have, while you're out there somewhere, have encountered some of hell's activities? Is, have you ever run into any of that? Once or twice, occasionally, you know? Well, guess what? Jesus said, because you're living stones, because you're living stones, hell cannot prevail against you. You have victory over it. So when the church is mobile and moves out of the walls, see what our expectation is, is that we kind of went through the 20th century getting ready for the 21st century. In the 20th century, I believe God was schooling people. And we had the Holy Spirit coming into the four walls to teach us and to train us that the power of the Holy Spirit is real and legitimate and God can use you to accomplish great things. But just like it was back in the early part of the church, so, so there was a little shift and pretty soon people began to believe that the only guy that really could, had the hold, could hold the word of God was the preacher up front. And so they took the word of God out of the hands of the people and only the preacher could handle the word of God. And what did we move into? The dark ages. The dark ages. Now when the Holy Spirit breaks out on people again, we come together and we, there's a training session where you see the Holy Spirit interacting and moving upon people's lives, empowering them to do wonderful things in the name of God. And... It's a training. But then all of a sudden people start, start kind of almost pushing towards a dark age kind of thing again. Well, the preacher, if we don't gather together and if the preacher doesn't, then it just doesn't happen. When in fact, you're the church and the church has been empowered of the Holy Spirit to go. We are mobile. And right there, you might just reach across the fence and touch your neighbor and who knows, your neighbor might get healed right there in his backyard. You know, who knows? You might be there and you're at work and you're talking to your friend at work and your friend is, is not having any sense or idea what to do. But right there, the Holy Spirit deposits in you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And God gives that to you right there. The church is to be mobile, not, not, not locked in. We come together to hear him in order that we might go out and be used by him. See, we're mobile. We are filled with his spirit. Are you all okay? All right, that helps me. Throw one of those out once in a while, if you would. Observation number two. You are dangerous, not harmless to hell. You are dangerous, not harmless to hell. Jesus said this way, Wow, Simon, I'm going to start calling you rock. And, and, and uh, guess what? You know, hell's going to have a problem with you. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. See, you are, you are dangerous. When you leave, the, the, you, you could just think, think about society right now. There is a huge movement in America to push us back inside the walls of buildings. There's a huge movement in America today to silence you. 
to, to keep you from being the church alive out there. You, you can be, look, there's freedom of Christianity, there's freedom of religion. It, the freedom, though, belongs inside these walls, and that's it. There's a huge movement to that. There's a resistance. Why is that? Because the spirit of this world knows you are dangerous. When you leave this building, you are alive with the Holy Spirit, God empowering you, and you go out, and you're paying attention, and you're aware, you're always awake. You're dangerous, not harmless to hell, but very dangerous, because God might use you to redeem someone's life from destruction. God might use you to make a difference in someone's life that could change them for time and eternity. You're dangerous out there. Just look at your neighbor and say, hey, danger. Yeah, how's it going, danger? <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm not 007, I'm 777. I'm, <laughs> you know, you know we, we got God all over the place. Amen. On one occasion, when Jesus sent out 70, these 70 went sent by Jesus to all these towns all around northern Israel, the Galilee area, as it's called. And, and uh, they're going town to town. Uh, he, he told them what they needed to know, and off they went. And when they regathered, they must have been filled with a lot of, a lot of stories based upon what Jesus says to them. They must, have had, they must have had a ton of stories. It was like these 70 return, and they say, you would never believe it. We went over to that, that little town over there, we encountered this guy that was absolutely blind. We just said, you know what? Be healed. Be healed. And we prayed on We laid hands on him, prayed him. And the guy could see. It was incredible. Seriously, you know what? We met a guy that was filled with leprosy. You know, we kind of usually keep our distance, but I just felt prompted to go over to the guy, shook his hand and said, you know what? I'm not afraid of what you got. In fact, I don't want you to ever fear what you got again. And we prayed and laid hands on the guy, and his leprosy cured. It went away. It's incredible. And these guys are telling all these stories. I met a, I met a lady who was possessed, and we, we prayed, and that demon had to flee. You know, they're coming together, and they're telling all these stories. Here's Jesus' response. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 through 20. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This is incredible. This is the big fall. This is the big fall. A lot of times people, they, they want to focus on, on the end times fall. You know, in the end times, there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be, you know, a bunch of Christians are going to get watered down. There's going to be a great falling away. Let me tell you, the, the big fall was not people that abandoned Jesus. The big fall is when the church empowered by our living Lord takes the devil down. That's the big fall. Because Satan is not going to have his power forever. He's not going to manipulate people and destroy souls forever. The big fall is Satan being thrown down in the power of Jesus' name. So Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like the light, like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you power. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what, what's happening? He, he, says, he said, uh, 
he's listening to these guys, and he's hearing all the stories. He says, listen, fellas, just remember something here. I gave you the power to, to be able to accomplish what you did. You, you didn't do that on your own. I gave you that power. So don't be impressed with it. What you should be impressed with is that your name is written in the book. That's what you should be impressed with. But realize something. You have power. It's been given to you by me in order that you can prevail against hell instead of hell prevailing against you. I'm giving you authority over all the power of hell. So go, be mobile, get out there, be active. But don't get filled with yourself because you're not the one who did that. I did that in you. You are living stones. I'm dwelling in you. It's my presence in you. And when my presence is in you and you go out, you have authority to accomplish great things in my name. So go, be mobile, be used of God, be powerful in the name of Jesus, but always keep it in the back of your head. You know who that power comes from. Don't, don't take what doesn't belong to you. You remember, it's, it's, you should be happy your name's in the book and uh, grateful that God would use you. You see, you are dangerous, dangerous to hell. We need to, need to continue to allow God to use us. You are the foundation of truth, not the soil of falsehood. You're the foundation of truth, not the soil of falsehood. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So when you, you know how to interact with each other, you know how to behave with each other, you know how to, how to, to, to live, I, I, be, because, because you, you need to know how to do that. Why do you need to know how to behave? I, why do you know how to, why is it important that you know how to interact with each other? Because you're the pillar and the ground of truth. You're the foundation of truth. If, you know, if, all that, all that some people will ever know about Jesus is what they know about you as a, as, as a Christian. The only thing they'll ever know, at least, at least hopefully they'll begin to learn some other things if they see Jesus in you and they respond to that, but, but that's where it all begins. What they, they discover Jesus as they discover you. I remember, and, and the reality of it is, is when you live and how you live, says a lot to people as Christians. They're watching you. You know, how, you know how, when, when someone sees you shopping for groceries at Walmart, what did they find out about God when they watched you interacting with the person at the counter or, you know, that kind of deal? I'll tell you, a really good spot to, to be seen is how people can read who you are in Jesus. Go to an upward basketball game. And I don't mean during the game. I mean when you're standing out in the hallway and you're waiting to get in and get a seat because they got like 35 seats and you got 100 people that want to sit in those 35 seats. You want to learn about God? Watch the crowd. You know, it's kind of, you, you almost are expecting to hear lock and loaded happening. I mean, it, it, gets, it gets pushy sometimes. You know, when you're out there, and you go to a game. If you're playing in a basketball game, if you're playing in a basketball game, after the game's over, what did people learn about God having watched you? 
when you're at work and they hear your, you talking. When, they, when you're at church and they hear you talking. And they hear you talking about someone else in the church. What are they learning about God? Because the only thing people are going to know about Jesus, you know, certainly at least first off, is what they know about you. So they watch your life. What is your children really learning about God when they hear you and watch you in your home? What, what, what did they learn today about God? You see, all of those things together bring us to where Paul says, look, I'm going to write to you so that you know how to conduct yourself. Why? Because you're the church of the living God. You're living stones. The, the habitation of God is in you. He's empowering you to, to, to wreck all the enemy's plans. Uh, but look, you're the pillar and ground of truth. If people are going to know about God, they know about God through your life. So be sure that you live in such a way that, that when they find out about God, they know something that's powerful and meaningful that draws them and attracts them to a marvelous Savior. It doesn't push them away. So you're living stones. What does it mean when, when Peter, inspired of the Holy Spirit, says you are living stones? Well, it means that you are mobile. You're, you're not the building. You're not the building. You, I, I remember when I was a youth pastor, and, and of course, you know, youth pastors, you know, they're always on the edge of insanity, you know? You know you, a good youth pastor is someone who, who hasn't quite got all the marbles lined up right yet. Now, why do I say that? Because, because they're dealing with youth and they gotta, they got to have a little energy. So, so we did a big thing up at First Church, the Open Bible, and we, we went into the church and we played. The, it was at night. We did an overnighter there in my youth group and, and Dan Lelisher's youth group, and we came together and we did this big thing. The janitor came in and saw the kids playing this game. It was a, it was a fun game for the kids. She went crazy. Oh, she was mad, mad, mad because the kids were, were having a game, playing this game in the sanctuary. This is the sanctuary. This is the house of God. You know, no, 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 no. Now, what did the children, those kids, those teenagers, wow, the older you get, you know, 40-year-olds start becoming children, right? You know, kind of, when those kids, those teenagers, they watched her and listened to her and her behavior what did they learn about God? What did they learn about God? And then if, you, if I can just connect the dots for you, it was probably about 10 years later she had an affair and left her husband. So sometimes the people who want to straighten us all out and, and, and all of that, sometimes they got goofiness in them. And this is why Paul says, look, and Peter says, remember something. You're a holy habitation. God dwells in you. You're supposed to go out and be mobile. This building isn't the thing you should, should, should consider holy. You are holy. The people you're talking to are holy. God dwells within you. And so you're mobile. And the power of the Holy Spirit is in you to do damage against the kingdom of hell, to redeem lives from destruction. And so behave yourselves. Live in such a way that you never ever ruin the truth of that, the foundation of that, because the only way some people will ever first come to Jesus is by watching you, listening to you, paying attention to what's going on in you. So be mobile. Go. Be used of God. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit out there. 
and live in such a way that when people watch your life, they'll be attracted to Jesus. Why don't you just to bow your heads with me for a minute? As you bow your head and you consider in your own heart and life, uh, the, the, the thing of it is, is that it gets tested. Our lives get tested. Our faith gets tested. Do we dare pray and, and believe God for a miracle? What if it doesn't happen? What if I pray for this person to be healed and they don't get healed? What if I give this person, you know, the wisdom that just seems to be hanging on my mind and it turns out it wasn't very wise after all. It just wasn't, it, so it certainly couldn't have been God. What if, what, what if, what if? You know, your, your faith gets tested to be used of God out there. And, and your life gets tested because I don't know about you, but there are times that, that people do things that just kind of, kind of aggravate a little bit, just pinch just a little bit, that test just a little bit. And I'm thinking you're still human enough that you probably encounter the same thing, that you will encounter times in which people will do or say or behave thing in such a way that just kind of upsets you a little bit. That being the case, how do you manage that? Because you are, you're walking around as living stones. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are The Spirit of God dwells in you, and you're mobile, and you're out there. And sometimes people that will never come in this building, their first encounter with Jesus will be their encounter with you or watching your life and listening to what you say when you're under stress and how you look to God when things have gone awry, but you still know that God is for you, not against you, and you live it, and you live it, and you live it. Because you know that one day our Lord is coming back and he'll make all things right. And the Bible says that once and for all that devil will be put under his foot, under our Savior's foot. And it'll all be done. But until then, we are a mobile, a mobile temple of God being used of him. How we doing? How we doing? You think about your own life and you know the Holy Spirit's talking to you even right now about some things in your life. I just want to encourage you as I close in prayer to, to give it to Jesus and ask the Lord to help you. Help you because he's intersected your life with somebody who needs him. Every one of us, every one of us has our lives intersecting with people all the time by a divine appointment of God. How are we doing? Are people finding Jesus because of us? The mobile church out there empowered of the Holy Spirit? Are we making a difference in someone else's life because we love up on them and bless them because of Jesus? Father, I just come to you right now and I thank you that you make it clear that we are the church. We're living stones being built into not something that's supposed to remain in one place, but that is mobile and active and empowered to accomplish miraculous things, to thwart all the work of the enemy. That the gifts of the Spirit were, are not just meant for show, just not so somebody could pat us on the back and say, wow, you really must be close to Jesus. Look what you can do. 
But those gifts are there because there are people who, who are just totally, totally empty in their mind of knowing what to do, no knowledge and don't know what to do. And a word of knowledge comes. And that word of knowledge makes a difference that tracks them, attracts them to a Savior. A, a healing comes, a miracle comes, a word of wisdom comes, a prophecy comes that causes them to know that God does see them, that God does care, and that if they would say yes to Jesus, they also could be a living stone, a part of a, of a, of a movement of God that one day, one day, will discover absolute victory and the devil will be gone. So help us, Lord, to live our lives sensitive to your leading and sensitive to people around us and and, and be used of you and live in such a way that, Lord, we become living written epistles as well as living stones. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah for Jesus. Okay.